This episode may contain content that could alarm or trigger some people. Listener discretion is advised. It's not until someone has a conversation with you or you hit rock bottom that you go, it's time. But a lot of time when you hit rock bottom, it's too late to save relationships or, or marriages or whatever. But they can save themselves, which is the most important thing. Save the relationships with their children or, or family or friends. Hello and welcome to Brainstorm. I'm Guy Rollison. Over the years, my guest today has helped hundreds of men who have struggled with emotional issues and life. He openly admits to having lived in a struggle bubble for three decades and knows all too well what life is like when it comes to depression and PTSD. He's an author, keynote speaker and founder of the Momentum Revolution, designed to guide, inspire and empower men who are facing challenges from withdrawal and anxiety through to anger or just feeling lost and not knowing why they feel unhappy. Dr. Brett Della, welcome. Thanks very much, Guy. Thanks for having me. Firstly, can I congratulate you on the work you're doing with men right around the country, but that comes from a place which emanates from your own powerful story as a boy, doesn't it? It does. It, uh, it stems back from my own experiences through my own struggles, and it, uh, it took my life in a whole different direction uh, once I hit 50. Look, if I can get into that a little bit later, perhaps, but at a TEDx event, you spoke about how the brain can protect us from physical and emotional pain, but can't necessarily distinguish between the two, and a bungee jumping experience of all things you had with mates helped you realise this. Can you explain that to me in a bit more detail, please? Yeah. So with bungee jumping or any sort of activity that's got that big adrenaline rush, that one that pushes you to the limit, you know, I, I arrived that day and thought, oh, you know, this will be fun. I looked up and I thought, oh, this might be not so much fun. So uh, I got to the top and and I remember standing there and the bloke sitting next to me instructed me going, we want you to jump out as far as you can. I'm going, wait, what? And it's like, you know, three, two, one. And as he's counting down, I'm going, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. I'm not jumping. And then he said, jump. And the next thing I knew, I was off the platform and sort of just flopped over the edge and could see the ground coming towards me. And, uh, and of course, in that moment, you're just screaming because you can't articulate any words. But in my head, very quietly, I was going, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then when I hit the water and bounced back up again, I I remember thinking to myself, I was still screaming, but I remember thinking to myself, I'm alive, I'm alive. And and that that fear that you, you mean your body goes, your body is designed to protect you from doing that silly stuff. But because of the, you know, I suppose the, the pre-framing and knowing it's been done before, it's a massive adrenaline rush. And I was on a high for, you know, probably uh, at least 20, 12 hours afterwards where it was just on a, this a massive, massive high. And uh, and so the brain protects you from doing that silly stuff. Now, what I found out through my research, my experience, um, when I was doing, uh, running up this, this this research from a, from a doctor in the US, he actually found that if you stimulate people with, and he did this in a functional MRI, so he was watching the brain in real time, and what he found was if he stimulated people with physical fear, like bungee jumping or, or heights or whatever it may be, then certain parts of the brain would light up. He then stimulated those same people in the MRI machine, but this time with emotional fear, fear of facing certain emotions, certain traumas. And he found that the same areas of the brain lit up. And 
so what he realized and what I've found with my own experience and with working with other men is this fear is designed to protect us and keep us alive. But the problem is because it can't distinguish between the two, it protects us exactly the same way. And as a child for myself with, with my trauma and the emotions that are attached to it, that allowed me to survive initially. But what happens is when you don't deal with those emotions, then it can have a real negative and detrimental effect on your emotional well-being, your mental health, relationships, and basically every other aspect of your life if you if you're being how it affects you. So it can be very beneficial to keep your life, but also can be very detrimental and cause some massive, sometimes massive um, challenges later on in life. So just how enveloping can fear, shame, the uh, uh, stigma in all its forms be? And how does it start to manifest itself? Great question. Look, all the shame, guilt, embarrassment, fear, whatever those emotions are underneath, it sort of bubbles up underneath. It, it, and because we don't want to feel that, because that fear feels like it's going to, we're going to die from it, feels like we're, we're so, like you said, enveloped in it. It was just, it just causes us to shut down and it shut down emotionally. And for me, it, it came out in the form of depression. So as a child with, with my, my childhood stuff, I had a really, I had an amazing childhood, amazing parents, great foundation, you know, absolutely wonderful. Uh, until I got to about the age of 17, 18, 19, all of a sudden, all these emotions from my past had to come up. And, and I just thought that was, you know, ignore it, ignore the memories, ignore the, the emotions and get on with it. And, uh, and what it actually was, was a start of depression. I just didn't realize at the time. And it can become out in the form of anxiety. Um, people can start to, if the pain is so great internally, they can start to numb their pain. And this is where you get these young people who start using drugs or alcohol um, from a young age and then continue on through that. Withdrawing, shutting down, disconnecting. It can come in a variety of different forms, but it can really just have a massive impact um, throughout their young lives and obviously into adulthood as well. Along those lines, what are the defence mechanisms we put in place when it comes to either being vulnerable or what lies do we tell ourselves in the belief that it's a self-protect process or to help men potentially keep things from, say, family or friends? There's, there's, a, there's a couple of things. Firstly, I think uh, we wear a mask. Um, for men, I call it our man mask. You know, we show the world that we're okay, that everything's good, that we're tough, we're strong and, and everything is fine. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of different masks. You've got the, which was mine, my, my I'm okay mask. I also use the Joker mask a bit as well, and and then the sporty mask. You know the the sporty dude. But you've got the cool cat like Fonzie. You've got the know it all. You've got um, the bully mask. You know, and all these things are a defense mechanism. We we develop these survival strategies to get through those moments. And whatever our situation is, it allows us to to work through it in that moment to get through those emotions until we can survive that those moments that, that sort of you know can appear or reappear on multiple occasions depending on, on on your situation and and in regards to um keeping it from our family and friends 
it's it's the shame it's the guilt it's the embarrassment you know we don't want people to see that we're weak or we've got you know we've got a flaw because we're not perfect and i was always ashamed for me i felt like a boy in a man's body until i was 43. i mean i've been i've been a police officer i was running my own chiropractic business with my wife and we've been married for three years and it wasn't till the first three years of our marriage i actually started to feel like uh, a man in a man's body before that i felt like a, a boy in a man's body and people were going to see straight through me i felt like a failure and i felt like a fraud at times and no matter what people said or did i it didn't matter what they said i still felt that negativity within me that negative voice going you're, you're full of shit, basically well as you said we all hear boys and men are told to be tough um, not to show weakness uh, let alone ask for help or, or talk about uncomfortable situations, yet in spite of what is seemingly a modern-day society, it's still destroying men and their families, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I run workshops with men, and I, I talk and mentor men regularly, um, very, very regularly. And, you know, I have men come to these workshops, and they will talk about how their marriage has disintegrated and in the last, you know, 12 months, 18 months, two years, five years, or they've got a pattern of bad relationships and they just keep breaking down. And the common factor in all them is us, the men. And and it's not until we realise that there's a pattern going on or there's a trauma there um, or there's this emotional blockage. And I'll give you an example, which is just a generic one. It's not nothing in particular, no one in particular, but... Uh, for example, a man will come through and go, okay, I've disconnected from my wife, I've disconnected from my family, um, I'm on my last legs, I'm drinking heavily, and then you go through and you, you unpack all that with them and you find that there's this, this trauma and it's usually from childhood. It's usually from dad disconnecting from them or the physical or emotional violence that they saw, or they were abused, or they were bullied. And so this wall goes up, and they shut down emotionally, and they they don't know how to communicate their pain, their fear, their emotions. And so it just becomes a pattern, and they don't know how to actually, they don't even know, a lot of times they don't even know they've got the, the trauma that's causing the pain. Uh, they understand they had a certain sort of childhood or a certain sort of trauma, but they don't understand the connection between the two. And once we connect the dots for them and they can actually see that, they go, oh, wow, I get that now. And that we can start pull back, pulling back those layers so they can actually start communicating, start feeling those emotions, and most importantly, deal with them and let them go. Because if you don't deal with that trauma or those emotions, then it'll just continue to eat away internally because that negative mindset, that negative talk that we give ourselves unless we get rid of that and get rid of the the emotional attachment to those particular um incidences those those traumas those those moments until we deal with that it's just gonna we're gonna carry it around with us and i know that from my first-hand experience myself so but dealing with lots of men same story time and time again we have to deal with our shit to allow us to move forward is there a self-realisation? Is it because they talk to other people? What brings men particularly to the point where they say, oh, gee, I need to actually go and speak to someone about this? Um, and generally, I'm guessing it, it's sometimes almost too late. Uh, often it is too late for certain things. You know, I've, I've had men um, that, that 
they know that their their marriage is over. Well, they don't they don't even realize that the wife has basically said to them it's over, and they still think there's a there's an opportunity. And and that's really sad because once the the woman has made that decision, they usually decide two years out before they leave. That's the research from what I've been told. Is they they will go. We, you need to change, you need to change, you need to change. And we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we bury our head in the sand, think it's going to change. And then when it doesn't, they go, look, I'm out. It's like, okay, what do I need to do? And we make the decision too late sometimes. Uh, and that's really sad. But at the same time, it's also an opportunity to grow and learn for those particular individuals. Now, the one of the, the most powerful things, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go back a step. One of the realizations for the men is, for me, it was like someone actually said to me, Brett, aren't you sick of living like this? Aren't you sick of being in pain all the time? Aren't you sick of being depressed all the time? Aren't you sick of just not being you? And I was going, yep, yep, yep. And he goes, don't you think you should do something about it? And I went, yeah, I should. I was in that moment, I realized that I was really struggling more than I actually New and I've been suffering from depression for 30 years on and off, you know, and I just got through a really bad bout, probably my worst bout of depression, you know, at the age of 50. He said, aren't you sick of living like this? And I thought, you know what? I am sick of living like this. And it's not until someone has a conversation with you or you hit rock bottom that you go, it's time. But a lot of time when you hit rock bottom, it's too late to save relationships or, or marriages or whatever. But they can save themselves, which is the most important thing. Save the relationships with their children or, or family or friends. This episode of Brainstorm is proudly supported by HIF. What if your health insurer gave you the freedom to choose? That brings me to your book, Soften the F Up. Uh, you talk about the challenges men face and the importance of of mental and emotional health, um, offer insights into the tools and skills needed to help turn their life around. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? About the tools? Yeah. Yeah, tools and so skills. There's, there's so many different ones out there. I mean, speaking to a, just speaking to start with, admitting that you've got a problem, that's the first step. Admitting that I need some help is probably, you know, the first step and then trying to find out what the problem is. And speaking to a mate, a friend, a GP, a counsellor, whatever it is, just be aware that there's a problem and you need to ask for help because we can't do it by ourselves. If we could, we would have changed it already. We, and we need that guidance, that support system. Now, we have to do the work. As an individual, we have to do the work. It doesn't happen naturally. But you have to take that first step and get the support network and, and the tools and skills to do that. Now, for me, uh, I saw counsellors and psychologists early on in my 30s and that seemed to help me to a point, but I always slide, slide back into this same cycle. I never really cleared the that those emotions that I needed to, that pain that I needed to. And so uh, along the way, you know, I went, firstly, I went to a workshop over in, over in Queensland and that was one of the most powerful experiences of my life, probably the most powerful experience of my life. Apart from my, my wedding day, um, probably the, the most amazing day of my life. And, uh, and so I was, I got to deal with my, my pain, my trauma, my, my emotions in a very powerful way with a support of about 50 men at that particular workshop. And then along the way, I then was getting mentored by some um, people who I was doing a, a life coaching course with at the time. 
And they allowed me to see things from a different perspective. They allowed me to use certain tools. And along the way, some of those tools were mindfulness, meditation. Um, I find for, I found for me, for my mental well-being to really kick me off, ice baths. I used to get in the freezing cold pool every winter and just get into up to my neck, do some breathing exercises, um, do some gratitude work. And so the, the ice bath, the, the breath work and the gratitude work kicked my day off in a really positive sense. And that started to really improve that mental health um, significantly. Um, and then another really positive one that I use is journaling. Um, and I use those all the time. Breath work and, and gratitude is probably the most powerful I use regularly at the moment, but I, I use the other ones as I need to. Initially, I used journaling especially a lot, and I use that regularly, but not as regularly as I used to because I've got less things to unpack now because I've been unpacking them for like five years. So initially, it was a very powerful tool, but bit by bit, I can sort of chop and change and use the ones that really suit me in that moment. And I've learned that that, that skill as I've gone along. Because as men, we're pretty much of the mindset, aren't we, that most jobs DIY jobs but like any big DIY project including our emotional and psychological well-being we're not necessarily equipped to take that on without the right help and probably part of the reason I suspect that things like the momentum revolution was established as well is that right absolutely to have the support of other men around you um, you know and if we can get that momentum of men moving forward in a really positive enlightened empowered and inspiring way to help men talk about their stuff to support men in that space then all of a sudden things start to to get this you know snowball momentum effect and we can actually start to change because when we just when we when we help one man we don't just help man we help their immediate family around them it impacts them which will impact their family and friends and all of a sudden we can start changing communities and you know the state the world you know that's we just want to make a, this massive impact so we can actually change the stigma around this, I'll deal with it myself, I'm fine, I'm okay, when internally we're not. We're drinking, we're gambling, we're watching porn, we're, we're using drugs, and we're destroying ourselves uh, mentally, emotionally, and physically. So we have to change that. And that's why the Momentum Revolution is there so we can share our, our wins and our challenges and most importantly as well, our wisdom, because everyone's experience can often support and guide other people in their journey um, because, you know, we all need that um, different perspective. Just I can say one thing and someone will go, yeah, whatever, and you can say exactly the same thing in different words and it'll click with them. And if we can get people to share that different wisdom from different angles, different perspectives, and all of a sudden men will start going, oh, I get that. And they can start to learn and grow. And once we start to learn and grow within ourselves, we can change the world. And no ages, no topics, nothing's nothing's off the books, is it? Nothing, no. We've had at our workshops, we've, we, we have it from 18. 18 to 78 has been our age group, okay? Um, we find that the most, and all those men who are like from 18 to 30, us older men within the group we are a little we're not jealous but we're envious that we wish we'd get done it at that age that we didn't wait till we were 50 years old or 45 years old and we found that the 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 most probably common age is between 40 and 55 where those we we had this mid what they used to call the midlife crisis 
And it's this is more about, you know, we feel lost. We don't know who we who we are anymore. We we're depressed. We can't deal with the emotional baggage that we're carrying around and we're at breaking point and we need to to get that support at that time. Is this partly because when you see young men today and women as well, they're a lot more accepting and open with not only their feelings and emotions, but they're prepared to speak with people um, rather than, say, men that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s, who it was just a different different environment. It was a, it was just a different society. Yeah, it's it's a good question. That's in so, I think it depends on the background. I think because of the education that's coming through the schools now and the the whole Are You Okay Day and all those sort of movements are starting to to break the stigma around that. But if you grow up in a particular environment where you know you're great-grandfather, your grandfather, your father have got this mindset where you just have to toughen the F up and get on with things, then then it becomes ingrained in you. So, and that's really important. And I was, I was quite, I'm, I'm very, very blessed and lucky that my father broke the cycle from his dad, you know, and, and so I got this amazing childhood. But I see men and women come through the different workshops where they are the people who are about to break the cycle. Um, from a personal experience, I remember as a young boy, um, my grandfathers visiting them and they'd both been to war and you were told you're not allowed to talk to them about this or that or something else. Hopefully things have changed over time and that the momentum revolution is a step in the right direction, which I'm sure it is. But even at a at a more base level, say in the workplace, and from time to time we all harbour those fears like whether we stuff up, um, whether we don't fit in, or even that fear of the boss. These are things that can actually take their toll and manifest over yeah. a period of time, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, and like you said, it can happen anywhere. It's not just in the home. It can be at work. It can be on the sporting grounds. It can be um, anywhere in the community. And it, it, it's a compounding effect. And if we don't have a, a good solid base here within ourselves, then it's just going to um, trigger us again and again, time and time again. Uh, so we have to really deal with the, that stuff internally. So we're internally mentally emotionally strong so if something does happen and the boss does cause a sort of trigger then you can go hang on well that's his stuff i'm i'm sitting in my my clean energy here i'm doing the right thing um what's going on with him and and you have to realize sometimes is it is he being personal to you or is he just like that with everyone and often he's like that with everyone and it's not that it's a personal attack on you but if we don't if we're not strong enough to be aware of that it can trigger us into a negative downturn um, you know, I, I hated being disliked or being seen as, you know, a naughty boy or anything like that. And it was, and it, I carried that through to my adulthood. And I hated, you know, confrontation because of, you know, all my my childhood stuff. You're quoted, Brett, as saying, "No man should have to live with the pain like I did for thirty years. No man should suffer in silence like I did." No man should have to be burdened with society's expectations. Every man should live with happiness and purpose. All they have to do is choose to make a change and let their real journey begin. If there's one piece of advice, the more insightful Brett Deller could pass on to, say, the <laughs> Brett Deller of 10, 15, 20 years ago, what would that be? 
do it now. If, if I had my time over again, and look, I, I've, I've mentioned about my childhood stuff, and I'm not sure if you want me to, to mention what it was, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share. But um, my my childhood, I was sexually abused by a neighbour when I was, when I was um, uh, six and seven years old on, you know, several multiple occasions. And, and I don't have any regrets about my life. I have no regrets whatsoever because this journey has allowed me to be the man I am today, has allowed me to find the strength of my purpose to help other men. Um, and, and the only thing I would change in my entire life is if I got to do, instead of waiting till I was 50, I did it when I was 40 or 30 or 20, that I did it as soon as I knew that it was a problem, that I was emotionally struggling, that I dealt with it immediately because that compound effect of the positive time will go through much, much quicker. So if I if I had the wise Brett now talking to the young Brett or any man out there who's going, what should I do? Make a stand now for yourself, draw a line, on the, draw a line in the sand and go, that's it. I'm doing something different. I'm doing it for me and I'm going to get the help I need. Just sound advice. Brett, if people want to reach out to you or the Momentum Revolution, how do they how do they do that? They can, uh, we've got the website, MomentumRevolution.com and or the the uh, the Facebook page. You can go to Dr. Brett Della Facebook page. Uh, and just to clarify, doctor is doctor of chiropractic. I'm not a psychologist or, or counsellor or anything like that. I'm actually a doctor of chiropractic and I still still work in that in that space. Uh, and, and, and then for the men who, who want to join the Momentum Revolution Facebook, it's a closed Facebook page just for men. Just go to the Momentum Revolution Facebook page, um, and, uh, and register and I'll just approve you as you, as you get on board. Brett Della, appreciate your insights. The work you're doing, uh, with all men and the time you've taken out of your busy schedule to have a chat. Thank you. Thanks, Guy. I really appreciate the time. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for informational purposes and not intended as a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis or treatment. For questions about your own emotional health and well-being, please consult a medical professional.